and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I am one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined by the content machine, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you. Thank you very much. A quick Surgeon General's warning. Um, the Cigar Cast may be fatal if taken while drinking Sambucha. What? <laughs> It just seems like one of those useless things people have invented. What the heck is a sambucha? It's like a fermented, like, gross drink. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never been walking through the woods and they say, well, son, there's a sambucha tree. And I've walked through a lot of woods in my life. I'm always cautious of things that have no origin. How did sambucha <laughs> enter your radar today? That, that... I cast a wide net. <laughs> That's all I got to say. When you're the content machine, you cast a wide net. You know, you you should have known you couldn't text me something like that and not make it into the podcast. Tonight. That's right. Well, before we really get down to business, we need to really get down to business and light some cigars. So I'm going to go first. Just because I know how excited you are about your cigar, I'm going to make you wait a little bit more. <laughs> this better be the shortest description ever. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, it's the La, La Aurora 107 Maduro. It's a 7x58 Dominican Puro. And if you want to know more about it, listen to last week's show. Shane, what are you smoking tonight? <laughs> I'll I tell you what, you, got, you love a guy that can take an order. <laughs> so, this is a great cigar, a very special cigar to me. I'm not going to let my own introduction take too long. But I am smoking the Jose Padron 90th Birthday 1926 Maduro comes in the red tube got the gold band but now i want to show you something about this and i want your opinion i've never understood that i don't <laughs> for those of you playing the home version uh, they cellophane the cigar before they put it in the tube okay but they did stop one step short of insanity there's they didn't no barcode <laughs> yeah, there's no cedar in the tube true so if there had been cedar, because the first time I bought one of these, I thought, okay, somebody has pulled a fast one on me. Right. But as it turned out, this is the is this the only Padron that actually comes in cellophane? Because all the rest of them in the humidor. The only anniversary series, yes. And oh, so it is the 90th. It is a great cigar. The last one of these I smoked, I was sitting on a beach in the Bahamas on a private beach. We had just got through swimming with stingrays. Slight breeze, palm tree, music playing in the background, doing some amazing people watching. I had just had conch fritters. I so, feel like you should have prefaced the story with, I never would have expected it to happen to me, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, the last one of these I have was so... I really have got to quit doing that. I'm going to start buying the cheapest, crappiest cigars to take on vacation with me because anything's going to taste good in that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no reason to burn a great cigar on a great environment. <laughs> There's definitely something to be said for that. There's one thing we're going to have to do at some point is actually discuss the in, creating your own smoking environment, your own smoking retreat and haven and what things that entails. And that'll be a future show. we got a lot of other stuff to cover tonight. Yeah. But on a future show, we're going to spend some time, because I've created my environment on the back porch, and every time I'm out there smoking a cigar, I'm thinking of what I could tweak or do a little different, what changes I could make to really bring that environment up. Now, is that just the home builder in me, or does everybody do that? I think that's 
a little bit. I, I think it's more to your personality than necessarily the home builder, But because I, I do the same thing. I, d- I w- wouldn't go so far as to say it's everybody, but it's definitely a large group of people that are that way, always tinkering. In fact, I noticed on the picture you posted this weekend that you've since put up some, like, three mil plastic. Is that what that was? Yeah, I sealed up the porch with them. It's actually uh, 12 mil plastic. It's oh, thick. Okay. I put up really thick plastic so that as um, winter coming on, I can actually heat the area much better. Yeah, because when we were a year ago, when we first started recording this podcast, we were recording out there and we had the little blinds, but the wind would still slip in between the cracks. So I can imagine it's a much nicer environment. How did the HOA feel about you putting that plastic up? The HOA has no trouble with my temporary plastic while I paint. (laughs) (laughs) The cover story, part of any important environment. There you go. Just so happens you paint your deck every winter. Well, and I've really kind of got to a um, point of equilibrium with my homeowners association because every time they complain to me about something at my house, I send them two complaints about stuff going in the neighborhood. So they know, and I never complain about one person in particular. It's always something sweeping of the whole neighborhood that's going to involve a mass mailing. Yeah. And I follow up. If I complain, a couple weeks ago I complained hey, please tell people to quit letting newspapers rot in their driveway and in the roads. It's disgusting. The local lab walkers are having problems with this. Please have them do that. A week went by and I had no letter, so I sent a follow-up email. I have not seen any action taking on my complaint regarding the newspapers being left in the road and in the driveway. So they know every time they come at me, I'm going to do something that's going to create a ton of work for them. Right. So they tend to leave me alone at this point. <laughs> I'm more trouble than I'm worth. You're fighting fire with fire. <laughs> that's right. Don't don't go to a homeowners association fight against a home builder. Right. You know, it's it's like celebrity boxing, and the celebrity you're fighting is Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's just not going to end well for you. And all the other thing going on before we get deeply into cigar talk. I've got to have somebody out there explain to me how that I can tell my dog that oranges are not balls. You mean to play with? Yes, because my orange, because, and of course I'm guilty. Because, okay, when you pick up an orange to eat, do you eat oranges? No, I don't. This, I, I need a guest that eats oranges. But when I pick up an orange. I eat apples. That's got. It's roughly ball shaped, but. Avocado. Avocado actually translates as testicle. The, the devil's food. <laughs> but, so when I eat an orange, all my life, I pick up the orange, I toss it in the air a few times, I roll it around in my hand, I might pick up two and juggle. It's just one of those things that happens. It's, it's not like, juggling unless you have three. Okay. Well, Coming I'm, from an expert. I'm using one hand. But anyway, but I didn't realize till I had a lab that if you pick up this round spherical orange object and you toss it in the air a few times. He thinks it's jug- for him. Yeah. And then you should see the look on his face when I jerk the skin off it and commence to eating his new toy. It really disturbs him. So I need somebody to explain to him the difference in oranges and toys. So I do that with apples. The same, Any fruit reasonably shaped like that, I, I, I'm the same way. I'll, I'll throw it around a little bit. I'll toss it up. Do the banana ring? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> no, that I just stuffed down my shorts. Oh, well, okay. To each his own. <laughs> This is going down a bad road. It really is. Hey, if you bring up zucchini, I'm out of here. I'm in a rare form tonight. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But 
So I just need somebody to explain this to my Labrador. I would appreciate it if somebody would let him know that orange. Maybe just stab it really good before you start throwing it around. Okay. Well, I'll try something along the way. You just scare it. That, that could be more traumatic to him than him having to watch me eat it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> no. But moving on back to cigars. So I have my Padron 90th lift lit up. So this is interesting. As I was looking up, so the size on this cigar is it's a Robusto. It's actually called a Robusto Extra. And it's a 52 ring gauge. It's five and a half inches long, but there's a lot of flavor packed into that. You know, I'm not usually a Robusto guy or Robusta guy, but this has just got so much flavor packed into it. Of course, it's a Padron, so it's a Nicaraguan Puro. It's interesting. It says Factory Tobacco's Cubanica SA, South America, I would assume. I, I, it sounds like. Sounds like something along those lines. But, so here's the, the list of the Padron Anniversary Editions. And all the 45th anniversary of the company was 2009. They made a cigar. The 46th anniversary of the company, they make a cigar. Jose Padron's 85th birthday, they make a cigar. And then Jose Padron's 89th birthday, they make a cigar. So I'm just wondering, did they think maybe he wasn't going to make it to 90 and they needed to get this cigar out? How does that work? Well, if you look back, Avo Ovesian did an 88th anniversary for his 88th birthday. Um, so I, I think there may be something to that. When your patriarch starts getting on up there in age, you start really celebrating the, the smaller milestones. Kind of catch every one as you go through. Yeah. Of course, the 88 for Avo Vazian had a, another sentimental attachment for him just because there were 88 keys on a piano as well. Right. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. I can definitely go for that. Okay, so let's talk New Year. We're in a new year here. And last time before we had Nate on the show... We were talking about turn of, and the um, end of the year awards and what cigars we thought were good and pretty much harassing with Jonathan on the show the top 25 that Cigar Aficionado produced. To me, the gold standard is the Cigar Dojo top 25. I believe they have the best record. They have the least invested. They're the most in touch with the smoking public. I think the Dojo Top 25 is the best. And they're user-generated for the most part, right? Isn't it crowdsourced? Yeah. For the most part, it's crowdsourced. That's, I mean, that's your Rotten Tomatoes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how you get the best aggregate overall is because you're not looking for the opinion of 20 people who get paid for their opinion. You're getting hundreds of people who legitimately just enjoy this hobby. I, I feel like you get a wider selection of different palettes that way. And it creates a more well-rounded list. Well, and if we ever create a cigar cast top 25, I do think we should do it like a Rotten Tomatoes. We should have the critics score and the public mm-hmm. score. And all, because the critics always tend, it's movies. The critics love movies that I would not waste my life on. Right. You know, it's always some deeply meaningful independent film with nary a single fart joke that I have no interest in watching. And on something you would take somebody to see. Right, so, exactly. That actually sounds pretty good. Which movie were you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But, so, real quick, here's the guidelines for the Dojo Top 25. And all, $15 and under average MSRP. Mm-hmm. Love it. Great rule. 
regular production, no limited editions, shop exclusives, none of that stuff. So no Opus. Sold in the USA, so no Cubans, and it had to be released in 2017. Right. And you brought this up a couple of weeks ago and kind of outlined the rules. And I think the had to be released this year is the rule in their selection that I like the most. It, it can't, if it's been out for five years, how is it this, the cigar of this year? Right, if it's had time to gather a following. Yeah, exactly. And if it has to gather a following, it's not a pure sample. So I want to read these. We're going to move fairly quick, especially on the ones that I've never heard of or smoked before. Okay. And I need to know. So number 10 is the Protocol Themis from Cuba Riquino Cigar Company. Ever heard of it? No. Moving on. Number nine is the All Out Kings. This is the big collaboration with Drew Estate and Caldwell Cigars. Okay. I've had a couple of these. Um, Good, not worth the price to me. What's been your, have you had one yet? Same. It was the same. And I feel that way about all of Caldwell Cigars. They are fantastic. And I'm not even going to go so far as to say not worth the price so much as they're just so expensive. They are good. And right. they are probably worth that much money. But who's got that kind of money to spend on a cigar on a regular basis? La Fleur de Incline from Villiger is number eight. Now, Villiger is one of those unsung heroes of the humidor. I love their cigars. In fact, the Villiger Colorado is an amazing cigar that you can't find anymore. And so many of the cigar shops I know that used to carry it closed them all out because no one was buying them which was great for me because then I came behind and bought a whole bunch of them at like buy one get one right it's but clearance just, prices yeah and but they are Villiger makes fantastic cigars so I can understand I haven't had that one in particular but I definitely agree with that brand being on that list do you think this is my La Serena argument that the name that it sounds like Villager doesn't make it sound like an exclusive or a highly sought after type cigar? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much I buy into that that theory personally. I could see that as being part of it. Uh, but the other thing is their boxes aren't particularly attractive. You know, whereas La Serena has going for them, their boxes are gorgeous. And with Villiger, you kind of end up in that E.P. Carrillo territory of just the plain cardboard box with a little bit of writing on it. It doesn't attract the eye. Number seven is the Asylum 13 Medulla Oblongata. Haven't had one of these yet. Um, Asylum is so hit or miss for me. I have only probably had two Asylum cigars ever and wasn't, it wasn't for me. It just, they really lean heavy into the bigger ring gauges. And for that reason, I just kind of stay away, away from them. What, do you happen to have any information there on the size of the medulla? This one is 50 by 5 Robusto. Okay. Oh. So, and it's an oblongata, so it's a box press. So that's a... I'm, I'm trying to sound smarter than I am. It says box press here on the label. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted, for a second there, you thought I knew Spanish, didn't you? <laughs> But ah, never mind. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. But the ogre and the straight jacket occasionally. The ogre and the straight jacket are both twice a year smokes for me maximum. And also asylum, eh, but I'm I would try it. I definitely wouldn't lose. So Tatawahe 
Negociant. Number six. Haven't smoked it. Don't haven't seen it. Haven't heard of it. Haven't heard of it. La Gloria Cubana Collection Reserve. So this is the E.P. Carrillo collaboration that you liked. Yeah. And I didn't care for. It made it to number five. That's high. That is. That's pretty high. And but if you're looking at cigars that just came out that year, I think I agree with that. Or at least I see it. You know, there, for my palate, there wasn't a whole lot that came out this year that really blew me away. You know, I've talked about the Nicaragua 505, the um, this year's Los Calaveras, that cigar, uh, the Ch- Charter Oak. I mean, that's about, those are the ones that come to my mind quickly. Well, it's interesting because when you start getting into the top four, three or four cigars, I think it's safe to say any of these could be number one, mm-hmm. but, for, but for the fickle hand of fate. Because number four would have been my number one. It's the... Southern Drawl Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, you've talked about that on a couple of occasions on the show, and it, it is a really good cigar. Nicaraguan, full-bodied, outstanding smoke, just absolutely wonderful smoke. I'm all about it. Number three, uh, I'm going to make a liar out of myself. It's the Avo Synchro, Synchro Ritmo. The I thought South that American came out last Ritmo. year. Uh, well, they got it on the list this year. I know it came out this year because it was early this year. Oh, okay. It was actually out before the show this year, and I think that's maybe what you're thinking of. All right. I, I remember us talking about it early on in the podcast, and I guess that's why I was thinking it was just a carryover. It's a good cigar. I know you didn't. I only had one of them, and it was fairly recently, so I may need to go back at it and, and try it again. I know you smoked about three or four of them just trying to get something out of it, and it just fell flat for you every time. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I, I wouldn't throw it out the window driving down the road, but it's not going to be something I reach for all the time. Number two, the Wise Med Maduro from Foundation Cigars. It's a good cigar. El Wawense. And See, I would have put the E.P. Carrillo above that. Yeah, probably. But it's interesting because this is one thing that Aficionado, or that... um. Dojo does well. You notice that we are getting to a little stronger cigars as we're moving up the list. So that's telling me that more seasoned smokers are making their... Because you'll run in, I would say, four to one. Yeah. You know, four to one seasoned cigar smokers that like a strong cigar, a full cigar over a more medium. Or at the very least, full flavored. Uh You know, these aren't necessarily... like. The Wawense especially is not a very powerful cigar. You don't get a lot of strength out of it, but it is a very full-flavored cigar. Now, very interesting, number one did not even make aficionados list. And all these others, you could probably find them in the top 25 aficionados somewhere in there. Number one did not even make aficionados list this year. The Undercrown Sungrown. I figured that was probably going to be what it was. That's a, that's a crowd favorite. That's just a great smoke. I really need to go back to it. I, I haven't. I almost had it on the show tonight. Well, it's just, it's just a crowd pleaser. Yeah. I mean, it's a great cigar. It's just going to be a crowd pleaser. It's going to make us happy every time. Just a. I can't. I think that that is the people's smoke. I think as number one cigar of the year of the people, I would definitely say that's it. Mm-hmm. And because uh, they're readily available, it's not. You know, the Jacob's Ladder. I love, but the Jacob's Ladder hard to come by. Yeah, it's true. It's not easily found, at least not in our neck of the woods. This Padron 90th has, it doesn't have pepper, but it has spice. 
and it's not like allspice. It to me is like really good Greek steak seasoning. And I know that's a strange way to describe a cigar, but have you ever had really good Greek steak seasoning put on a ribeye? Yeah. And all you do eat ribeye. I do. <laughs> Why do you not eat oranges? Okay, we're stuck. We're pulling this show over. Why do you not eat oranges? I don't like oranges. I I don't like the texture. You don't like the texture of oranges. No, I don't. Okay, well we can we can put the show back on the road then. I'm just was amazed. I mean, I'll eat like the little. What are those little orangette little things that they put on salads occasionally? I'll eat those. Oh, yeah, they're tangerines. They're, what's the difference in a tangerine and a nectarine? Uh, a nectarine is a hybrid between a tangerine and some and a peach, I think. Oh, okay. Or so, there's something like that. Okay, this is, this is a joke that only a handful of people are going to get. we got to quit talking about fruit of the year or Damashek's going to get us. Oh, so you have you have to listen to the Dave Damashek football podcast. As someone who doesn't like football, I love to listen to his podcast, and he always votes fruit of the year. Anyway, on this show, <laughs> explain the joke. The joke dies. But I think that's a pretty comprehensive list. I absolutely cannot complain about that list. The Ritmo is number three, is a little iffy, but I am flexible enough in my mental capacity to say yes. Well, and you you know because of where it was sourced from that that there's a good sample in there. Well, and there's probably a lot of people that like that complexity, all those different tobaccos, because that's six different kinds of tobacco in that, all South American tobaccos, just a lot of different things. Yeah. And also, we're getting ready to go to the break, but I want to know about your weekend cigars. It's been really lackluster. Uh, I've been back in the gym this week. My foot's finally healed up, and I got my gym membership taken. I got back in the pool for the first time in a long time and and had a really nice swim earlier in the week. So I haven't been smoking as many cigars because I've really been focused on, you know, we're still right in the middle of the off-season for triathlons and everything, but I'm, I'm really starting to gear up towards this coming season. So I'm starting to put a little less time into my, you know, recreational cigar smoking. Uh, although I did have a Yellow Rose of Texas last night, which is always just such a good... I love that I can still find them occasionally in different shops around town. In this particular shop I was at last night had four of them in back stock on the shelf, which made me really happy. They need to just make that a wide release. I mean, that's such a good cigar. The blend is right. I think that cigar... But I wonder if it could sustain a wide release. Oh, yeah. Part of what makes it so good, I I wonder... I mean, the Tennessee Waltz and the Yellow Rose are two of my favorite... Or my two favorite cigars at that factory that that Crown Heads makes. And I wonder if it's because they're that limited geographical release that that's what allows them to keep that quality control so, so high. That because they're not into mass production, they're not subject to as much human error. Right. That's a, that's a valid argument. I cannot argue. Then that may be part of the appeal of Southern Draw as well, is it's not such a wide release. Yeah, and I like knowing that my shop isn't getting backordered on Tennessee Waltz because some guy over in Omaha wants, you know, 500 boxes. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So that's, that's true. I can definitely agree with that. I won't argue that. But let's, you know, last night, um, this is going to release a week or two later, but I watched the national championship game Monday night. 
and I had the cigar you're smoking right now. And I left, probably I was sitting beside you when I had it, so that's probably what inspired you to smoke it. it, it I've actually been smoking a lot more La Aurora since I talked to Nate, or since we had Nate on the show. And I've really just not dug into that brand very much. And the, the Black Diamond that we smoked on the show was fantastic. I have since had a DNA that I really like. Uh, the one that we have here in the shop is a 58 ring gauge like this one which is a little on the big side for me. It's not unwieldy, but it's a little bigger than I like. And so, so I've been really digging into that line. And I'd, I'd actually forgotten that this was a cigar you were smoking until you just mentioned it. But it's very good. It's a, it's a lot of cigar. There's a 7 by 58 is a, is a big cigar. Well, and it's a lot of cigar for the money. What is it, 7, 8 bucks? Uh, 10. 10, yeah. A lot of cigar for the money. When you start talking about that quality of cigar and that volume of tobacco for that money, you're really getting a bargain. I mean, La Aurora, like I've said before, their preferitos, I wish they were a little cheaper. Yeah. And I would smoke more of them if they were a little cheaper. But all things being said, they're great on the yeah. on the bargain side of the cigar industry. Absolutely. And uh, so let's we're going to step away for our break. When we come back, so I want to talk about... I learned something in cigars from somebody that listens to our podcast that actually comes to the shop here. All right. I did not really understand the term fumas. I want to share that with everybody. All right. I also want to talk about New Year's resolutions. This is our one-year anniversary. I think we need to have a New Year's resolution. And I also want to talk about what our best member, what we've learned from the cigar cast this year, what you and I have learned personally. I All think right. that'll be exciting. We'll talk about that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across from the man who's sexier than socks on a rooster, Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. (laughs) That's one of my, I have to explain that. That's one of my. What's going on my tombstone? (laughs) Sexier than socks on a rooster. Yeah. That's one of my uncle's favorite phrases. Whenever you show him something, and my uncle, I don't know if anybody can tell from my accent, but I'm from the Deep South. No. (laughs) I know, I know. I I get confused with Harvard Law professors all the time. But that's one of his favorite phrases when I'll show him a new gun or a new deer trick or a, you know, night vision binoculars thing. Well, ain't that sexier than socks on a rooster? (laughs) So I felt like that would be a good way to describe you tonight. Trey Dedman, everyone. Please hold your applause. (laughs) Most people do. So tell me what the La Aurora is doing for you. It's it's such a good example of what a Maduro wrapper should be. It's a Connecticut broadleaf Maduro, and it's just rich and creamy. I'm not getting a whole lot of spice or pepper out of it because you know it's I'm getting more of that cocoa kind of uh, earthiness that you expect out of that. It's just a really good cigar. It's it's smoking very very slowly just because of the sheer mass of it. I think you'd have to hit it with about 1,600 BTUs to, to really do any damage heat-wise. But, I mean, it's, it's a very good cigar. Well, you know, if you, you speak of smoking slowly, you know, I've been smoking this Padron for 30 minutes. I've yet to tap it, and there's only, what, 
an inch of ash, yeah. an inch and a quarter worth of ash on that cigar. And that's just, um, and the draw is just like sucking through a straw. Yeah. I mean, this is what you mean when you say a cigar created well. Right. It's burning slow. It's just smoldering. I can always tell the quality of my cigar by how fast I smoke it. Mm -hmm. It seems like the lower the quality of the cigar, the faster it burns, the hotter I tend to smoke it. I don't know if I'm trying to force flavor or if it's something subconsciously I do or if it is a construction thing. And I don't know, do you notice any difference in the quality of cigar to the how fast you smoke it? Not really. The speed that I smoke it tends, tends to do more with kind of my, where I'm at. You know, if I'm in a rush or if I'm doing something else, that, that tends to, now, that can translate into more relighting or less relighting, you know, depending on the cigar itself. But for the most part, I, I don't necessarily find quality and smoking speed, at least for me, uh, to be correlated very well. Well, it's interesting. A former relative of mine, I never seen him smoke a cigar that he did not relight a minimum of four times. I know plenty of people like that. They just they're slow smokers. They mm-hmm. just like to enjoy that smoke very recreationally, very slowly. And he tended to smoke. He was cheap. He tended to smoke poorer quality cigars. So it's not like you could taste a difference on the relight. Yeah, it's not like it made a huge difference in all of that. So this is our 52nd episode. This is our one year anniversary of doing the cigar cast. Um, very excited. Love doing this podcast. Have a lot of fun. Grateful to everybody that makes it possible for us to do this and all. But so in a year of podcasting, what's been the most surprising thing you've learned? Uh, how probably how noisy this shop is. <laughs> how many people don't know how to control the volume of their voice? Yeah. Um, I think it's just the the amount of wide the the amount of variance that there is not only in the people but also the cigars and the shops i mean there's so there's so many different variables in the cigar industry and i i'm one of those people that tends to find a shop i like and go nowhere else i tend to find you know maybe a handful of cigars that i like and i only smoke those in rotation and you know, this show has really forced me to branch out and try stuff I wouldn't have tried otherwise. And it's been eye-opening in a lot of ways to to really find some cigars that I never would have thought I would have liked and that I do. Uh, the Wawense Maduro is a good version of that. I probably never would have picked that up uh, left to my own devices. Well, so that is interesting because you are... If the, if the scale is the wandering cigar smoker that never smokes in the same place the same cigar twice, and the monogamous cigar smoker is at the bottom of that list, you're probably closer to monogamy than I am. Yeah, I'd say that's right. But um, it it has been very eye-opening talking to different people and finding out different information on the cigars and you know, talking to Pedro and talking to Nate and talking to so many different versions of people. I do think in 2018, as we head to our second 52 episodes, that I do want to start getting a few more every day, every man. Yeah. Get a few more every man in here and talk to and see what they're getting out of the cigar business. I definitely want to expand our our guest list this year. I think I think there's something... From just from having a third seat on the bus, 
but also just the different experiences that it brings to the party. You know, the the different palettes, the different experience levels. I think there's something really engage, engaging about those episodes. At least there are for me recording them. I always enjoy those. Well, you know, even when we had Jay Drescher on, who is not a big cigar guy, and basically we talked about pirate books in the Revolutionary War, um, still super interesting, super exciting guy to be around, just a lot of fun and all. So that's been surprising to me. The, the other thing that surprised me when we started this, I said, wow, how are we ever going to have enough content to do a show a week? Right. And how do these guys possibly do five shows a week? But we could go with proper sponsorship. We could go to three or four shows a week. I'd never run out of content. No, absolutely. And I've been surprised how that has fit together, how the the banter and everything has fit together and how just the nuts and bolts have come to where it's like, yeah, I could see doing four or five a week. Well, and, you know, I called you the content machine at the opening of the show. You know, you, you cultivate a list throughout the week of things that kind of pique your interest and things you want to talk about. And nine times out of ten, we get here to do the show, and we only hit about half of that list. You're, if, if your list is running of all the stuff, that we, it's got to be growing exponentially by the day. Yeah, I've actually been thinning it down and all, because it's like, okay, we haven't got, if we haven't got to it in the last five shows, I'm going to go ahead and delete it because it's not likely we're go- that it's important enough to get to. Yeah. You know, if it hasn't come Or the real-life event has so far in the past that it doesn't have the impact. It, yeah. Right. It hasn't come back, come around organically. It's not worth forcing it. You know, you don't want to force that round peg into that square hole. Right. Exactly. So that, that's been an exciting thing about learning it and all. We had a guy come over to us the, uh, the other day before we started podcasting and said, Hey, I see y'all are doing a podcast. I'm about to start one. What would you say about that? Now, he wanted to know about equipment, but I really wanted to spend a lot of time talking to him about podcast theory as opposed to equipment. Well, you and I are both such students of podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts since they first came out about 12 years ago, uh, 11 years ago. Um, So it's been something that I've always been a talk radio guy. So, you know, once you began to be able to take them with you, that became huge for me. And so, but you and I listen to so many podcasts that I think it really, like, we just love the medium. And I think that that's part of what makes it. You've got to really love that, the aspect of, the whole aspect of putting it out there and, and creating a feed and doing all of that stuff. That has to be as much fun as recording it. Yeah, that's a big part of it. So let's talk now, well, since we are starting a new year in podcasting. And I'll, I'm a New Year's resolution guy. All right. Um, I always make it a point to make a really good New Year's resolution. And so to me, the structure of a New Year's resolution is very important. It has to be something measurable. It has to be something that I can change. And it has to be something that in changing it, I enrich my life. Okay. So is is it something that, you know, a lot of people's New Year's resolution is to stop smoking or drinking or to lose weight or something that you reach a point and you go, oh, I, I didn't make it. And then you just kind of go on with the rest of the year like like the year before. Are you one of those that continue, even if you misstep on it, you continue to revisit it? Do you, do you still remember what last year's resolution was? Oh, yeah. I have to integrate it into my being. I have to integrate it into a portion of what is me in order... 
for instance, my last year's New Year's resolution was to stop correcting people on things that didn't matter. If I understand the gist of what you're talking about, I won't correct you for using the wrong word. And all. If I get the gestalt. Right. So that was my resolution last year. And I can't tell you how much that resolution has, um, in, how much it has benefited the quality of my life. Because you don't get mired in the details. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, going back to kind of getting a little self-referential to the podcast. I mean, we there's a lot of Spanish that gets thrown around on this podcast, and neither one of us speak it. So there's going to be a lot of mispronunciations of names and words and things like that. And it, you know, as long as I know what you mean or you know what I mean, like that's, that's what really matters. It's, right. it's the spirit, not the actual letter. Well, and I think people, my parents, I've, I've, what spurred this, pot, this decision on for me last year was seeing my parents get to the point that they've been married for almost 50 years and they spend so much time correcting one another, they don't get to enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And I said, I don't want that in my marriage. I don't want that in my friendships. I don't want that in my life. So that was my New Year's resolution in 2017, and it greatly increased the quality of my life. Yeah. Really valuable. And all, But now, do you do resolutions? I don't. I, I tend to be more of a goal setter. And the thing I like about that is it, it, it's also tangible, but it's little milestones that I can kind of check off throughout the year. Some of them are bigger than others. Some of them are fitness-related. Some are personally related. Um, you know, it, it's all about kind of having these things down the road that I can work towards as a st- instead of working on, if that makes sense. You know, this year I'm running the Pikes Peak Ascent, which is a half marathon straight up. I mean, it's a 14,000 foot meeting, uh, mountain and the finish line is at the peak and it starts 8,000 feet of elevation below. So it's 13.1 miles, but it's, but two of those miles are vertical. Like, Holy cow. Yeah. It's, it's a beast. And so working towards that, I want to finish that and, you know, I want to knock some time off of my triathlon and I want to do so some fitness goals related, but there are also some other little more personal things that I, I have set that I want to accomplish by either by the end of the year or by a certain point in the year. So my resolution this year was a bold one. I've told you this before. I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I've had, and to me, the, a good resolution you have the resolution, and then you have to devise the engine by which to accomplish that resolution. And also, I resolve to let the ignorance and foolishness of others not impact my quality of life. That was huge because before when somebody would do something foolish, I would internalize that. Yes. I would spend time lamenting over how can they be that it's not ser- how does this possibly serve this human being? How does them doing that ever help them come out ahead? How does this help this human being? How does trying this to help- rationalize the irrational. Yeah. Trying to figure out how that and so the first two weeks of doing that, I've been astonished at how many hours a day I was just wasting lamenting over the foolishness of others. Yeah. And also, I think this is going to be a really good resolution as I delve deeper into it. But the trick, I believe, 
is to still care about other people without letting when they misstep affect how much I care about them. Not shutting myself off to the world and saying, okay, they're not going to affect me. Yeah, and you had a, you had a couple of pretty good uh, tests of that even last year, as I recall. So and that may be part of where this is coming from, is seeing that just kind of manifest itself through your life and go, oh, that's something, that, you know. Yeah, and I think that I think that's an important resolution. I think, and I always love talking to people about that. And people, people that say, "Oh, I'm gonna quit smoking cigarettes. I'm gonna lose weight." That's a resolution that's doomed to failure. And I think it needs to be something well thought out, measurable, and something that you start when you start doing it, it gains its own momentum. Well, especially because I feel like stopping something, whether it's overeating or smoking cigarettes or drinking or, or coffee or sugar or whatever it is. Like anytime you're resol- you're resolved to stop something. The time to take action is when that resolve hits. It's not some arbitrary mark on the calendar. You know, the people that say, oh this is my last cigarette that have been planning it for a week, that's not it's not coming from a genuine place. Well, and it's so doomed to fail because they say, okay, I got, I got a week left to smoke, and it's the last week. I'm going to smoke a few extras. Yeah. So they go to quit smoking at a time when their nicotine in their blood level in their blood has never been higher. So they amplify the withdrawal symptoms. But I, I think, you know, and it's a bit of a cliche, and I, don't, and I think it tends to be a bit pretentious, but the people that say I don't make resolutions any time throughout the year that I feel like I can be a better person, I, I make... I, I think if you approach it that way, it's a little, a little pretentious. But ultimately, if something impacts you enough that you think, man, this is a change I need to make, I think waiting for the new year is not always necessarily the, the way to go about it. I think strike while the iron's hot. When you're feeling the most passionately about it, that's when you make the changes. Well, and I love getting input because before I undertook this resolution, I asked you about it. Hey, what do you think? How do you think this works? And I asked other people, other people I respect and other people who's n- who are more knowledgeable than I. I asked, so how do, you, how do you think I should go about this? How does this work? And, I'll, and it's really, you know, put a lot of work into getting this resolution exactly where I wanted it by the new year. So yeah. I and then enacted in the new year. Right. So I think that's a, a valuable part of life. A resolution like that is just one of those things that... It just blows my mind how how much you can improve the quality of your own life by just saying this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's part of just being an examined approach, having an examined approach to life. You know, being sort of self aware. I think that's a big key uh, to to any endeavor is just having a self awareness about it. Yeah, I think well, I think moderation and self awareness are two of the greatest qualities a human being can possess. I would agree with that. If you can understand moderation and you can be self-aware, and I think those two things go hand in hand. I think they absolutely do. And that's, you know, that's one of the great things in, in life. But let's come back to cigars. So, let's talk. What was your favorite cigar you smoked in 2017? Now, not a brand. I'm talking about a moment in time. If I, if I isolated it down, because when I smoke this cigar, I think about that beach down there in um, the Bahamas where I sat under the palm tree and smoked this cigar. 
I think about the feral pig I had sitting on the beach in, um, down in Progreso, Mexico. I think about the different places I have set and enjoyed a cigar. And uh, what would be, and I'll give you a moment to think about it so I can go ahead and tell mine. All right. I think my favorite cigars this year have been ones that I spent smoking with a close friend under great conversation. You know, um, Jay Drescher, we spoke about him earlier. He and I sat here one night for three hours just discussing the world. And politically, he has a lot of differences in his opinions than I do, which I love. I don't want to just talk to people that agree with me. I want to talk to people that do that. But I think I enjoyed those cigars the most last year because it was such an exchange of ideals over a cigar. It was an environment that I would never have got to do that otherwise. You know, we speak a lot of times about cigar culture today. I went and picked up some deer that I'd had processed for a friend of mine. And going there, I had a cigar in my hand. It was beautiful weather. I had this windows rolled down. I said, you know, it's going to take me about 30 minutes to get there, about 30 minutes to get home. I got an hour. I can smoke this cigar in about an hour. And when I pulled up, he was sitting there having a cigarette outside, the guy that does the processing. And he, he said, oh, don't put that out. I was setting it on my truck. He said, oh, don't put that out. I didn't tell him I wasn't going to put it out. <laughs> but he said, no, come on over here. And while he smoked his cigarette, I had my cigar. And he and I just talked about deer hunting stuff in life. And it's just one of those snapshots in time that only come because you have a cigar in your hand. Yeah. You know, if I had stood there without anything in my hand just watching him smoke, he would have felt like he had a habit. He wouldn't have felt like he was having a break for true enjoyment. So now that I've given you all of a minute and 22 seconds to evaluate that, go. It's been, you know, it's been, it's been a very interesting year of my life in, in cigar smoking. Uh, there have been a lot of... of I, the moments that, that I keep going back to is not necessarily one moment, one cigar that really stands out. Um, but I would say that one of the things that has probably impacted me the most this year it, as it relates to cigar smoking is the fact that every week at the end of this podcast, you and I grab another cigar and we go sit in chair and just catch up. I mean, you guys, you and I have known each other for um, about two years now, and we've been pretty good friends, sat at the poker table, you know, golf together, stuff like that. But just being, being able to sit and unwind and just kind of get to know each other and just kind of have good conversation and reflect on what's going on in the week and, um, you know, talk about cigars, talk about everything that's going on in the world and just, just completely unplug from the rest of the world and unwind. And that's something that, you know, I've been smoking cigars for a long time and I'll certainly my, my, the amount of cigars I've smoked this year has probably gone up a little bit, but not that much. But it's always been either in a group of people or by myself, and there's not been a whole lot of, you know, the whole one-on-one just kind of connecting with people. And it's, it's happened with some other people, some friends of mine that I've just been able to sit down and go, all right, let's just, let's go have a cigar. And that's been great. But, you know, and I wonder, let's talk about the nuts and bolts for a minute. Nicotine at its heart is a stimulant. Mm-hmm. It, is a st- it has a stimulant quality to it. Do you think the stimulant quality of the nicotine causes you to want to sit and have conversation more that it stimulates you mentally as well as physically or do you think it's the actual familiarity of the mechanics of smoking your cigar i think that's going to depend person to person now for me um 
I've got a I've got a little bit of ADD and diag- <laughs> diagnosed last year, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, but I've always kind of known it. You know, one of the reasons that cigars appealed to me early on in college was the fact that I could sit down with a cigar and study and actually focus for once. And the way ADD is treated is with stimulants. So it's that sort of two negatives make a positive or kind of thing. So I think for some people, it's that. It's the extra stimulant provides that catalyst for relaxation. And then, But then I think what you said is probably the lion's share of it, which is just the environment that lends itself to being a little bit more relaxed, a, bit more, a little more uh, reserved. That's not the word I wanted, but it was the one that came out. Well, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a really great journey this year, and I can't wait for the next year. I can't wait till you and I are sitting here next year talking about this and saying, okay, now two years of the podcast, what have we learned? And it's just, I, I can't wait for that. I know that's going to be exciting. It's just fun. And in, in another year, who knows where our life will be. Our life will probably be even different, more different. Different changes come, different things happen in our life. Yeah. And also, back to cigars. A little, a, let's talk a little more nut and bolt cigar than theory of cigars. All right. So a friend of mine came in here to the shop, and he said, hey, I seen these cigars online, and they were called Fumas, F-U-M-A-S, and they were cheaper than everything else. Why were they cheaper? And I always thought Fumas was just like Habano or just like any other thing. It was just a different term for cigars. I did not realize that Spanish for smokes. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was actually a structural term of cigars. Hmm. So I started doing some research. I'm a research nut. So I started doing some research. So the term fumas originated from in Cuba when they would take some of the more prime tobacco, the guys that worked at the um, rolling factories would take some of the more prime tobacco home. They wouldn't necessarily roll it into the cigars there that they were making every day. They'd take it home, and it would be their special reserve, and that was fumas. Okay. Now it has turned into... When you roll a cigar, there's a certain amount of waste. There's clippings off the front. There's clippings on the back. So when you're buying fumas, you're buying what they also call the Cuban sandwich. Okay. Where you take those pieces that are still excellent tobacco, but they're no longer long filler, and you mix them with long filler, and you make a less expensive cigar with different quality. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Here we are a year in it, and we're still learning new things. I wonder if that's the same process that goes into seconds. I don't know. See, I always assumed seconds were cigars that, for whatever reason, they didn't make it through the draw later. They didn't make the the cover had a little damage to it. Maybe that particular cover leaf was a little veinier than it should be. That's what the name suggests to me, but I've actually smoked a couple of seconds, and they, they looked fine. They didn't have any construction issues, you know, outside of what you would expect for a $3 cigar. You know, they didn't have, you know, cracks and holes and stuff in the, in the wrapper. So I, I was wondering if maybe it's something like that where it's just maybe miscolored tobacco as opposed to being, you know, poor quality. Right, or they were on the bottom of the pilon. Yeah, something like that. You know, they may not have been the primest of tobacco, but it, they, weren't, they weren't worth throwing away or using for cigarettes. So they made them into yeah. what would be seconds. I, I would assume that's something I'll have. Now I have something new to research. I there have you to go. Research how seconds are made. 
You can bring that to us next week. <laughs> Thanks. No, no time limits there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting how just talking to other people about the podcast and how when they ask me a question and I don't know the answer, getting to actually find the answer, to find out what FUMAs are. Yeah. And uh, I was just, that, that just makes it, um, you know, and they even have, I'm looking here at this definition page of FUMAs, and they even have a FUMAR crudo, which is coarse smoking. So it's holding an open-ended cigar in the mouth for a few seconds before lighting it. Is that not what we call the cold draw? I think so. I know. It's, it's, it's well, just... I, there's another term for that, which is very impolite, and I don't even like thinking it, much less saying it, so I won't. Um, but there was a, a tradition that you see mostly old-timers do, which is the people that'll sit there and just kind of chew on a cigar for a day before they light it. Well, I have a builder that comes into my office that eats cigars. He just sits there and chews on them, and he has a spit bottle, and he, chew, you know, Ugh. he'll bite a chaw off of his cigar and chew on it while we're sitting there drawing a plan, and eventually spit it out. And I don't complain as long as he takes the bottle with him. Right. That bottle cannot remain in my office. It's it's like chewing tobacco. I can't think right. of a, a more disgusting habit for a human being to have than chewing tobacco. <laughs> it's just one of those things I can't stand. Yeah, it it's. I've got a pretty iron stomach, but that's one of those when I, especially if you're sitting on a plane next to someone who's dipping or it's, oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Just not a great thing. But anyway. Well, so do you have a cigar under $8 for us this week? Yes, I do. I want you to tell us about the one in your hand. It's under $8. Price and participation may vary based on size. The MSRP, I looked, I've, I've, while we were sitting here, scrolled through and did look it up. This one, because this particular one, the 58 by 7, or the 7 by 58, uh, doesn't necessarily fall into that category, but the Robusto does. Yes, the La Roar one. Oh, so you are going to let me talk about my cigar. Now, well, I've got mine lit. Now you may okay. talk about your cigar. Um, so I've, I've mentioned it already. It's Connecticut Broadleaf. It's an all-Dominican cigar. It's... Uh, yeah, the MSRP on the Robusto is six ninety five. It's been out for about five, four or five years now. It's made in the uh, Leon Jimenez factory down in uh, the Dominican Republic by La Aurora. It's just an excellent, perfect example, in my opinion, now that I've smoked a little over half of it. It's a perfect example of an old school Maduro. You know... In the early to mid-2000s, there was, or the mid to late 2000s, there was this idea that, that Maduros were what you had to have to get that punch in the face. And that's not what it's supposed to be. This is smooth. This is rich. Uh, there's a little bit of coarseness. It's a little toothy on the back of the throat. Not in a harsh, irritant way, but in a just that's where the flavor's hitting. And that may have something to do with the ring gauge, just kind of opening my palate up a little bit. But you taste it all the way through. It The flavor has been consistent from the time I lit it until now, and I'm not expecting it to change that much. It, it's burning well. It's It's been burning even, smooth draw the whole way through. It's just a really fantastic cigar. It's, yeah, those, the La Aurora, especially that series, the big lion on the band. I love the lion. I like the... The statement that makes for years that was the oldest actor in Hollywood was the lion that came on in front of all MGM movies. Mm -hmm. But the lion on the band, it just it has so much going for it. One of my favorite cigars to reach for. It's why I reached for it during the national championship game the other night. 
because I knew, okay, this will last, you know, we left uh, about halfway through the third quarter. You're and so lucky. Uh, so we're, we're going to run a little long, but I am going to tell this part of the story, which is, so it's getting midway into the fourth quarter, and it's an interesting game, but I don't have a dog in this fight. So I'm like, all right, it's about time for me to go home. It's about 30 minutes for me to get home from here. Like, all right, it's about time for me to head that way. And then by the time I close my tab and go to the bathroom and, and, and get ready to leave, there's a minute left in the game. I was like, all right, well, I can't leave with a minute left in the game. I'll sit. And even Allie was like, right, I thought you were leaving. I was like, I, I know. I want to. I'm tired. It's already after 11 o'clock. But, and then, of course, it goes into overtime. It's like, curses. Yeah, and well. But it was such, that's about as good a football game as I've ever seen. Well, I imagine there was a lot of groaning going on. Um, I'm I'm not a gambling person. I don't bet on sports, but I love to look at the line. I always look at the line on whatever game. And the line on that was three and a half. And so I'm sure there was a lot of gamblers out there just begging for him to hit that field goal. Yeah. Because they'd have won by exactly three points, and they'd have won their line. But then the line gets blew out of the water when he throws. But And did, this is what's funny. No, it was still a three-point game. Was it still a three-point game? Yeah, because they don't kick an extra point. Oh, that's true. So it didn't beat the line. Right. Okay. And all, but it didn't. The re, they didn't kick the extra point, so it didn't beat the over. Right. It was still on the underside. Yeah. But anyway, well, this is the cigar cast and not the SEC football cast. <laughs> Lord knows I would not be good on that. No. Uh, but if you do want to get a hold of us here at the Cigar Cast, info at thecigarcast.com is our email address. We love hearing from you. Also, facebook.com slash thecigarcast, and of course, Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast as well. Let us well, know your New Year's resolutions. I would love to hear. I'd love to hear some New Year's resolutions. I got some good feedback. One of our listeners messaged me this week told me after listening to the podcast a couple of weeks ago um, that he that the historical figure he wants to smoke with is Mark Twain. Oh, that's a great one. Didn't hardly fit our criteria for that night, but it was very, very valid. Absolutely. So, well, thanks everybody for listening. It's been a great year. We're looking forward to many more years on the Cigar Cast. Thanks for your participation. Um, we've got a lot of new stuff coming in the coming year. The content machine is running wide open. At some point, I think we're going to have to go to two a week. But let us know your opinion on that. I would like to know. Are you going to subsidize my not being able to have a full-time job anymore with that? Oh, well, sponsorships are welcome. As long as they're not from Gurkha. Um, Sponsorships are welcome here on the Cigar Cast. (laughs) So we're always open to those opportunities. But thanks, everybody, for listening. And this week, have a good cigar and think well of us. (laughs) 